I'm Tina Black, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership, a six-month business and leadership course to help you start, maintain, grow, or scale your salon business. We believe there are five strategies to help you eliminate politics and confusion, increase morale, decrease turnover, and increase productivity. If you would like to get on our waiting list for the next course, please go to www.nextlevelsalonleadership.com. I love that, you know, you're on a mission to empower the salon industry to live by design, not by default. So let's talk a little bit more about your mission. What exactly does that mean to have people live by design and not by default? So that's a thanks. So I'm honored to be here um, with the two of you. So thanks so much for um, inviting me. So for me, what that means is leveling up the leadership and leveling up the thinking of our industry. So not accepting what has been, but create something that's new. And um, because a lot of a lot of our salon owners, leaders, school owners, they've been in the industry a long time and people are willing to accept what has always been. And the probably the last seven or eight years of my career, I've noticed this whole new shift and change where people want independence and they want to belong to something bigger than just the four walls. So that's what I want. It's like, I wanna get involved in those conversations and find out what do the people coming out of cosmetology school want right to, what does somebody who's been in our industry 20 years, what do they want? You know, what do they want and what's that next level for our industry or you know, whatever it is, I wanna be involved in it and I wanna help people create their life their life, not just their career, because I think a lot of people want a life and a career. And we're starting to see that, you know, um, I've had conversations with people that I don't want to work Saturdays and somebody in at my level, you know, I kind of recoil when somebody says that because I'm like, Saturdays are the fun days. It's when you get to dress up, the music's pumping, that's old school. Right. So it's like, you know, that was my fun time and fun days. So, you know, getting to know what's theirs, what will work for them, you know, how do they want to earn a living? You know, this is this is a passion career. You know, it's more it's more and more conversations I'm having. It's we're so lucky we don't work. You know, we do what we love. You know, how many people don't get that opportunity? So and I think then sometimes accidentally people fall into the industry and then they don't know how to then increase their earnings. So a lot of people leave. So that's why I say I want to do it by design. I want to, you want to have intelligent conversations with people, you know, about the whole business of the professional beauty industry. I love that. And, you know, you talk about <clears throat> something that you said that you believe is that every salon needs a heart and it's the one thing that's never on your P&L, but it's what <laughs> makes people stay and it's what makes people grow. To be successful, you have to have your heart in your business and your business in your heart. So talk a little bit about the importance of culture. The importance of culture is, it's everything. 
So, and that goes from how you answer the phone to how you employ somebody to that first greeting to, you, you know, how your training education is, how you're fiscally responsible as an employee, as an employer, you know, making sure that you understand how your business works from not only the numbers, but also the emotional intelligence, you know, how are you as a leader developing that? And to me, if you don't take care of your health, your wellness, your financial independence in, in a business and your employees that you can't build a culture. So the foundation of building a culture is really important. And that goes to the values that your company works off of. So, you know, if you're hiring somebody at the last minute because you need to fill a spot, whether it be on the front desk or, you know, somebody to help your business or a stylist, that's not necessarily going to work on your culture. So to me, culture is a long game. It's not a short game. So, you know, that's why it's so important. Are you willing to put in the work? I think so many people want a quick fix or want a quick success, and they're not willing to put in that foundational work. So culture is a huge subject, Sean and Tina. You know, it's like, it doesn't happen overnight. And um, I remember when I worked for Vidal Sassoon, I went into a, a corporation that had this culture that lived beyond its owner for like Vidal had been out of the business, but the culture still existed. So then I didn't understand how important that was. And then when I went to develop my own, the, the thing that was missing the most was culture because we had an assumption of when you work with somebody, you're following their policies, their procedures, you're following their legacy, their history, and then developing that as a young business. Well, I wasn't that young, but I was young getting into the game, but um, developing that myself, that was the hardest piece for me was developing that culture. I didn't realize what it took. You know, I thought it was an automatic. I thought people would automatically follow the leader. I thought automatically people felt my vision, felt my vision, right? I may not have declared it as much as I could have. And then I learned over time that you've got to share that vision. You've got to live with passion every day. And you're the person responsible for the energy of your business. And that has so much to do with culture, you know? I hope I've answered your question. So good, Nula. You know, your quote reminds me of John Maxwell's new quote in his new book, Change Your World. He said, you have to have a heart for people, but a head for business. And yeah. I know that you do a lot of coaching around both of those realms. So let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, Sean and I, of course, we have our next level six month course and we do the same. So the first month is, it's pretty much focused, you know, on their PL statement, so to speak, because that's kind of your scorecard, right? So talk about as if you're coaching us, as if we're salon owners that you're coaching, how would you coach us when it comes to the PLs? Because I know that's your expertise. Well, it's funny, Tina, I would never have thought it was my expertise, but it's where my passion is. I, you know, and that's where I've realized that if you don't know what's coming in and going out, it's simple, you know, you've got to know those. And that's the hardest conversation to have with somebody in the beginning saying, you know, can you send me your last three P&Ls for the last three months of the year? So that's how I'd begin. Or, you know, we're, what are we month now? We're into March. So to be, okay, can I have December's January and February? And a lot of salon owners would be, what's my PL? You know, they don't meet with their accountant on a regular basis. So sometimes it's understanding the foundational work. Um, 
or somebody saying, well, I only meet with my accountant once a year and I have to pay taxes. So just teaching people that there's a thing called a cash flow. So teaching them, you know, what their service dollars revenue is coming in and breaking it down and showing you from retail to if you have a boutique, if you have a salon, a spa, all that's revenue. So showing them where that belongs on a P&L. And generally I'll walk them through it. And it's about two or three meetings teaching people their line items. And then, you know, I'll always request, you know, if you have an accountant, if you don't, I'll help you with accountant questions. So I've done that in the past. And, sh and asking people, okay, so ask your accountant to send me your PL with the column on the right hand side that has the percentages of what each line item means. So really teaching people and taking them by the hand and bringing them through line by line of how all that affects your business. And the GNA is really important, and that's your, you know, gen your expenses, you know. So, <clears throat> like, really justifying each expense on that line and asking questions like, "Do you know what this expense is for? Do you know?" What? And a lot of times, people don't. You know, I'm working with somebody just currently, and they have an amazing accountant. Like, uh, you've got gold here because the accountant get, is giving them the numbers. So teaching people even how to find the right accountant, you know, so because that's so important and developing that's a relationship. So to me, it's like I'll always say to people, the best relationship you can have is between your landlord. If you don't own the building and your accountant, they're going to become your best friends, you know, because they'll help you with those financial decisions. So it's really the basics. There's um, a great book that I've I came across last year called Profit First. And I know that you guys um, also teach on that. And to me, I'd always worked with um, the profit at the end. And, and you know, I, that's why I want to work with people to live by design, um, Sean, because it's like, I want you to know where your profits come from and how you can manage that. So I'll generally build out a cash flow plan with somebody for 12 months and we'll do a 12 month projection. And then, you know, we'll look on their past, you know, if they have a little bit of a past, we can go off, but then we'll look at the numbers weekly and see where they're going. So I have a scorecard that they fill out daily. And so they can see where they're heading every day, because, you know, if you're, at, I, I can use the analogy, like a I, I'm so soccer, I'm from Europe, right? So um, we'll talk about a soccer match. You know, you don't wait till the end to find out where you're at on the score, you know what I mean? So you have to be checking in weekly. And um, I just worked with somebody and they were just like 2% away from the retail goal. And I, I said, I called her out. I said, you weren't looking at your numbers if you're only 2% away from your retail goal last month. I said, don't, don't fill out the numbers the five minutes before you're meeting with me. <laughs> Yeah. You know, do it daily. So and then she saw the power in that. So it's like it's really, really important. And um, I know that from being a salon owner myself, I didn't know my numbers. And that's where my pain and passion came in for it. And I learned how to, I went to school, you know, I went to business school, you know, salon business school. It was like what you guys are doing, teaching people. I went to Neil Dukoff at Strategies and that was the first thing we dove into was all those numbers. And it was the most painful you know, because not knowing what you don't know. And then when you start seeing it, you kind of feel a little silly, but it's, you have this passion and dream. It's like that entrepreneurial seizure, you know, you're a technician and you're like, I, I can do this. So, you know, learning, I think that's where I love it. When I start seeing the light bulbs go off, you know, it takes to me, it takes about three months to really get to know your PL and your cash flow statement. And, um, you know, I just got a message from somebody that I'm working with and they're like, I have 
have profit for the first time since I opened my business. And they sent me a picture of it. And I was sitting on the sofa with my husband. I was like, oh my God, this is what I love. I love when people start seeing the creativity in their numbers. You know, I'm a creative person. And so the PL was not an easy one for me to learn in the beginning. So if I can help people see how you can be creative with that, that gives me the biggest joy. <laughs> I love what you said creativity because Sean knows that it has everything has to be put in color even my accountant she's like Tina I put it in color for you it has to be colorful right and I love that you, you just kind of dropped a bomb there because you said uh, they had you know two percent from their goal you know so let's talk about that what does that look like when you're setting up goal planning for that salon owner so let's let's talk to all the salon owners on today right now, you know, how can we set up goal planning? What advice do you give? So I would say, you know, pick, pick your best three months and pick your worst three months, you know, and then, you know, and I think it's been, it's really hard and it's really challenging for salon owners to really project what their earnings are going to be this year. You can only do your best. And so it's like last year wasn't such a good gauge. So I would say pick your first, your best and pick your worst and then get an average of those. So if you want to do three and three and then just get an average and put that into, you know, in a simple Excel sheet, you don't have to go crazy. You know, I don't know the tools that you guys have, but I'm assuming you have great tools for salon owners that they can see their numbers and then just play. This is where if nothing is written in stone. Then just play. What would it look like if I was to increase my retail by 10%? So from my, my average, what would it look like? So play with it. Put a number in there. A lot of people are afraid to put a number on an Excel sheet. It's not locked in stone. You know what I mean? You can change it. And then a what if. So I do like a what if exercise. You know, what if you were to get, you know, if you're 60% productive at the moment, what if you were to go 65% productive? So what would that look like? What would you need to do? What would you need to sell? You know, who at the front desk would need to help you? You know, where can we get those business drivers to kind of drive that percentage growth? And then after about a month, you know, we'll, we'll play and then we'll come back and see what happened for that month. And then we'll go through, there's generally four or five areas, Tina. So we'll go through each area and say, okay, what happened here? You know, what could we have done differently? You know, so what did we project for? So just kind of digging in and seeing what happened. So, and then what if next month we try to drive it a little bit more? So say, for example, gift certificate sales. So gift certificate sales are generally flat in January and February. So February is Valentine's, but are you really projecting those numbers back in October of the year before? So I always like to plan four months out. So, you know, divide the year into three and plan four months out because I find when you plan every quarter, it happens so quickly. Everything happens so quickly. Like we're already and who can believe it? It's March the 8th of 2021, right? You know, are you 80%? Like, what are we now? We're, we're into the eighth. So we're into the second week of the month. So what are you? Are you 80% to goal? Are you 60% to goal? You know, so, and, and that's for your year. So we're already going to have the first quarter of the first year. So it's really understanding that. And that's why I like to divide it into four. So, because it gives you a little bit of room to play and to project because three months can fly by so quickly. So that's what I, that's generally what I do, Tina. I hope I, 
answered your question. I can go off on a tangent, you know? I love that you use profit first. Can you uh, describe to the listeners exactly what that means? Yeah. So what that means is, you know, after your service and revenue and your expenses for generally it's back bar your expenses for then putting in a temper like what would it look like if you were to put 10% aside or just look at what 10% profit would be and then all your GNA after that all your general administrative and expenses come out after that you not a lot of people can take that 10% off, but you should see it. And I do believe, and this is something that I really believe with passion, that you have to pay yourself as well. So you have to have yourself in those line items. Even if you don't take it, you've got to know what it looks like. You know what I mean? Then it's your choice. And having that separate account. So if you can, if you, I think a lot of people this last year, realize that they didn't have as much in savings as they thought they had for their business. So it's really understanding that profit first is not for you to put in your pocket and, you know, go out to, you know, Bloomingdale's and have a great afternoon, but it's to really project, you know, what would it look like if my business was profitable? And then you decide, am I going to invest that money back in the business? But it's done with a thought process. It's not whatever is left over at the end of the month. So what I loved about them is there's like a five envelope process. And so it really helps you divide your money and, and understand where the money should go, not just putting everything in the bank and hoping at the end of the month that you have something left over, number one, to pay yourself, and number two, to have some forced savings for future projections. And I think a lot of salon owners now, it's like having at least six months in savings you know, that's above and beyond what you're going to be paying it. So that's where the profit first model comes in too. It's like really looking at that number. I understand realistically, a lot of salon owners can't possibly take it out now or take it out for a little while when you open a business. And for salon owners that have been business in a long time, that's still in business. I applaud you. I think it's amazing. But these are the these are the methods that you could, perhaps you could try and start adopting and start looking at your numbers slightly different, you know? I love I that. I did it justice. <laughs> I love that you said six months in savings. And yeah. let's talk about that. How many salons have you watched uh, closed over COVID or looking to possibly close this year because of not having six months in savings or not being able to get PPP money to kind of you know, sustain themselves. So what have you, what have you noticed? I've noticed a couple of things, definitely not having enough money, not being able to get that PPP money, not having the support. I think some people, some great people in our industry have helped so much with trying to work with salon owners and educate them on how to make those applications. You know, some people are lucky they have a team Um, And some people had to do it on their own. So that was really challenging. And I think the third thing for me was leadership. You know, a lot of salon owners, their, their employees didn't want to come back. And there was a reason why, you know, it wasn't. And the salon owners that had didn't lose 100% of their team. You got to look at what they were doing differently. You know what I mean? So it's to me, there was three things that really got exposed during uh, COVID. So it was not having enough money in the bank. 
obviously the worst thing is not getting that PPP. You're entitled to it. If you're paying your taxes and you're paying your payroll taxes, you are entitled to it. So I think that was a big letdown on the government. And I think a lot of people in our industry, you know, like the BBR, we, we, we love those because they were just constantly having people in and teaching you and educating you. And I think a lot of salon owners kind of hid and didn't go and find the help to fill it out, you know? And then, as I said, the leadership piece, you know, really working on that leadership and communication with your team. So, so important. Yeah. All that PPP money is really hard to apply for. Sean knows because he and I backed off, you know, and even my husband, who's been a lawyer for 30 plus years, he was struggling with it. He had to utilize, you know, my millennial son-in-law that understood it, who's a financial advisor. So thank God for him because he saved us for sure. But, and we've been so blessed, Nula, because our salons did really, really well. A few of our schools have struggled uh, with this. And so thank God for the PPP money. Uh, but we we did notice that with the salons and we were just so elated as we watched it. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. So the salons that have sustained and will continue to have sustainability. It's interesting. I just went, I love every time I go to different towns and different states, I always love to go to different salons to see, you know, how they run things. And and so I saw this hairstylist this morning and, and so she was, you know, running around with a chicken, like a chicken with her head cut off and, you know, a little older, she's probably a little bit older than me. And she had a couple clients with color sitting on and she was all frazzled because I was coming in and, you know, getting my hair done. I had an appointment and she's freaking out. And uh, so anyways, I wait about 15 minutes, right? And she kind of slams me around the bowl. You know, I felt like I was beat up. <laughs> And I, I said, do you own this salon? And, and she didn't ask me anything about myself. So she had no idea what I did. And I find it very interesting because I go to these salons all over the country and their team members aren't taught to even ask their guests, what do they do for a living or anything on that realm? And no one ever asked me to, so I just, I don't tell them, you know? And so she's beating me up and she blows dry, blow dries my hair. And I said, so do you have any stylists that work for you? And she said, no. Uh, she said, yeah, I do, but they never show up to work. <laughs> she says, I don't understand this next generation of hairdressers. No one shows up to work. And, and I'm thinking, I would never work for you. First of all, you're not up on the newest trends, A, and you do a lousy shampoo, like I'm beat up. Like, I think I have bruises on the back of my head, you know, and she had long nails that kind of scratched my, you know, scalp. And so, you know, here's the salon and, and the Marriott recommended them you know? And so, so let's talk about this whole situation of, I can't find nobody and I got nobody. They ain't going to work. <laughs> well, so, you know what that. they say, the fish stinks from the head down. So I think that's the syndrome, you know, it's, it's not, not, you're not awake. If you're that type of salon owner, you're not awake. There's nothing better than this new generation. I love them. Love working with 20 to 30 year olds. And, you know, there's two different generations at the moment that we have actually three or four now, because I know, I know I just, you know, stopped working in the salon recently, but you know, your generation, there's generation owners that are the same age as me. And then you've got your 30 somethings and your 20 somethings. So we've got a couple of different generations at the moment. And there's nothing, I, I think there's nothing better than this new generation that's coming in. They want to belong to something bigger than themselves. So if you're not giving people, you know, again, it's that listening, it's that 
you know, finding out, harvesting the information from them. But if you're not awoke, if you're not woke up and you're not leading your business, you're being, an, you're being a technician, you know, this is what you're going to get. If you're not going to invest in your own personal development and growth and business development, because you're a hairdresser doesn't mean you're a good business owner. So you have to go to business school. If you put your hand up and say, I want to own a salon, you've got to take on that responsibility. You know, you've got to, you know, read the books, you know, go to the masters, see who's doing well, get a mentor, get a coach. Business coaching is so, so important when you own a salon. And I think a lot of people don't realize, like when you have, when you're a technician and you open a business, whether it's one chair or whether you open a salon, you've also become the HR person. You've become the, the payroll person. You've become ADP. You've become your marketing person. You've become, um, you stock boy you've become you know it's like there's all these hats that you suddenly started to wear and if you don't realize that you either have to hire somebody super super smart that can take off some of those areas that you don't like to do which i've always said is you know somebody at your front desk always hire somebody at your front desk can help you with the areas you, you don't like to do and then you just continue to double down on the best area for you but if you're not there yet like tina we're so lucky the people we talk to and hang out with i think you know you probably got so shocked when you went in there that that's still happening yeah. in 2021 in our industry and i think that's where the shame is you know it's like we we don't educate you know you guys have a cosmetology school and i have to tell you and i had my salon and i had a salon in Fort Lee, new jersey for nearly 10 years my favorite um people that came to work for me were coming from the Paul Mitchell school because they taught them everything about the business. They didn't just teach them how to do hair. They taught them, you know, people skills, retail education. So if you're not aware that that's everything that you need out of an employee and out of yourself, you know, it's really, it's, it's so important. We're so lucky that we get to hang out with people that are really in this industry and playing a big game. So it's so heartbreaking when you hear that, that you got beaten up at the shampoo bowl by somebody with long nails, you know, and they weren't interested in you you know, that you saw their chaos, you know, it's like, I, you know, I, I just, it, it disheartens me, you know, that that's still happening. You know, there's so much technology now you don't, years ago when I was learning, I had to go to Centerbrook, Connecticut, had to take four days off of, you know, out of my salon and go to school. How, how many schools have we gone to in this last year and none, everything's been virtual. There's so much information online. You guys are coaching salon owners. Are you leaving where you're working? No, you're doing it all online, right? Exactly. No, it's it's so easy. You know, you can be in your PJs and get a great education. You know, there's no excuse. And that's, I think there's no excuse, you know. You've kind of hit on it a couple of times about the difference, uh, old school, new school, not wanting to work Saturdays. Uh, for let's just say that old school salon owner or or leader, what what are some things that you're seeing that they personally would need to shift in their leadership to lead that younger generation? Because I think the younger generation, I love that you love them because most most people when you hear the words like lazy come out, like they don't want to do this, and and that's really not it. It's about understanding where they're at. So kind of talk a little bit about that. Give some advice on, on how we can, you know, best support that younger generation as an older generation. I think you have to learn to become a coach. 
you have to learn to be a coach and you've got to learn how to, you know, get, find out what they really, really want, you know, and it's very easy. They're very open. So, and I think you've got to develop your coaching skills as a leader. So leader is not a badge. We know that, you know, leadership is not a position, you know, it's like, it's how you're managing and, and that's another word. I think people think they're managers and they're not managers, they're leaders and they're coaches. And I'm really, really seeing that, you know, you've got to really get down into the, into the ditches with them. You don't become their friend, you become their inspiration and you become somebody who is really an advocate for their future. You know, if you're not an advocate for the, if you're not in advocacy of their future, you know, you've got to want them to be better than you. So that's, to me, that's it. Learn about them, read about, like I'm big into, you know, there's, I forget the name of that book. Oh, it was um, somebody, like there's so many books about how to communicate with Gen Y and Z. You know, it's like, it's just learn about them. They're wonderful people. They're out there wanting to save the planet. You know what I mean? They're, you know, although I have a, my my thoughts on that as well i used to love that they're like all about saving the planet and eco-friendly and um farm fed and none that no this no that and then you'd walk into the staff room and all the garbage is in the one can you know what i mean i'm like we got all these garbages for you guys you know? <laughs> <laughs> but you, you gotta still support them right and that's what it is it's like you know john maxwell says you know I, we're doing a great mastermind at the at the moment of today matters and john maxwell you know we're john maxwell coaches the three of us here we're very lucky and um, he said put a 10 on everybody's head Sean, if you're employing these people and you're already always listening and that thinking is that they're you're thinking that before you even give them a job, you know, you need to put a 10 on their head and then level up your leadership, level up your coaching skills. You know, my favorite day was always the day we had a new employee because that was the day that we could shine whatever you know whatever breakdowns that we had before with this next employee you can improve it you have a clean slate you know and you only have to be one week ahead of them you don't have to be years ahead of them you know because as you're learning if you're open to it if you're open to becoming a coach and a leader you know you can't just be a a great skilled hairdresser as a leader anymore. It doesn't work and it hasn't worked for a long time. You know, I think we've pretended that it worked for a long time, but it didn't, you know? Hey everyone, I'm Sean Chido, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership. Thank you for joining us today and be sure to check us out at nextlevelsalonleadership.com. Mm-hmm.